you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. Hi, everybody. I hope you're doing well. This is my favorite time of year. Summer is upon us. My kids are, one of them's out of school, one of them's almost out of school. I'm planning all the vacations, the camps. I'm trying to sneak in days where I can sneak out of the office just to get some fresh air, really fresh air, because as you can see behind me, if you're watching us on YouTube or as you can envision, if you're just listening to the podcast, I'm still in the poop office, right? We are still reeling from the flood that happened a week and a half ago. We still have the industrial fans. I still am not able to throw out the furniture, the damaged books, all the rugs, because the insurance company has to do their final check. So I have to keep everything. And it's been a very uncomfortable couple of weeks. So any excuse I can find to get out of the office, to work from my patio, to take a day, I've been trying to make it work. So, yes, well, I have big news. I have other big news besides the flood. On a lighter note, the affordable interior design baseball team has made it to the championship game. So I'm very excited. I'm on pins and needles, and I'm wishing them all the best luck. They've been practicing so hard. Full disclosure, I happen to know how hard they've been practicing because my husband is the coach. My son is one of the players. I'm the big money sponsor. And no matter what happens, the championship game on Thursday, I'll be providing pizza, Gatorade, and Froze for the parents. And I'm really hopeful that these boys can finish their season strong because they have been such supporters of this company. They have chants with our name, and we've been putting pictures on our Instagram and Facebook, and I'll be sure that we share them here with this podcast because they are so adorable. They're 11 very talented fourth graders, and they're representing our town here in Dobbs Ferry, but they were not selected to be the team. You kind of like choose, you go around, they had tryouts, and then you kind of pick from each different echelon of performance so that each team is a mix of experience levels and talent levels. And so each team tried so hard 
and was fairly equally balanced. And it's been awesome to see our team come out ahead week after week. Certainly Carvel, the ice cream shop nearby, gave us a run for our money. State Farm did not make things easy. And Celtic Corner, the bar down the street, has some very talented players. But I believe in Team AID, and I think we're taking it all the way. So I hope your little leaguers have had a great season. I hope that you've had fun watching them because I must say, even though I had to get out of bed at 9 a.m. the other day to watch a game, which means I had to be at the field at 9 a.m. I think we got out of bed at 730 because we have to be early. Everybody's have to be early. But it is the highlight of my weekend. My daughter can't say the same thing. She walks around bored just waiting for her softball games to begin. But uh, I can say that I've truly enjoyed each and every game. And it's another excuse to get out of the poop office. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I hope the mold isn't growing by now. Uh, and I hope you guys are doing well. Please, if you have questions as summer approaches, please send them to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. I would love to answer them. I can't wait to hear what you guys are doing this summer. For us, we're going to Maine, we're going to Rhode Island, and I'm going to be doing a lot, a lot of design because we've been busier than we've ever been before here at this company. We are taking record numbers of clients, we're fielding record numbers of inquiries, and it's very exciting. I think people are coming out of their COVID shell and are really looking to the future and wanting to entertain, wanting to have people over, wanting to get back to some semblance of normal. I myself am moving the school room out of the dining room in anticipation that our kids will be back to in-person school in the fall. Fingers crossed. All right, let me get into your questions. Let's dig into this mailbag. The first question comes from Renee in Atlanta. Renee writes, Betsy, I have a chair rail in my hallway. Is this weird? Should we take it down? Our house is trying to be comfortable mid-century modern. The architecture is a mix of modern and traditional ranch. Well, Renee, I was just working on a home that was a colonial, probably built in the 60s in Westchester, and they had a chair rail all through the hallway as well as up the stairs. And they were asking me the exact same question. Should we just rip it out? I mean, you know, what's it really doing? And I gave it some good thought because anytime I make some kind of architectural change, and I know that this is somewhat of a superficial change, you could easily just pop it off with a crowbar and putty up those holes, maybe do some light resurfacing of the wall, and you'd never know it was there. But is it doing anything for us. You know, would I put it in? No, probably not. But design-wise, could it add some visual interest? And if you're just planning on treating the area below the chair rail the same as the area above the chair rail, in other words, the same color of paint, the same type of wallpaper, if there's not going to be a difference in treatment above or below, I would just say get rid of it right? What is it really doing? It's a piece of trim that's probably the same as the color of the other trim in your home, like the baseboards, the door frames, the window frames. Um, it's probably in a different finish like semi-gloss or pearl, whereas the walls are matte, flat, or eggshell. So maybe there's some kind of color contrast, but above and below, there's no change. Well, then what's the point, right? But if 
it could help us stylistically. For instance, the space I designed in Westchester, we decided to give the hallway and the stairway, which were otherwise pretty boring, pretty architecturally neutral. There were no windows. The light fixtures were pretty simplistic. The ceilings weren't high. There was really nothing interesting about those areas. So I decided to keep it. And instead, we're doing kind of a slate blue below the chair rail. And we're doing like a mid-tone gray above the chair rail. And it ties in beautifully with the rug and the tones of the pieces that I've selected for that living room. And the hallway leads right off the living room, up the stairs, all the way to the third floor from the first floor. So I think it could really add a dynamic visual element, an opportunity for color, because I'm not going to do the whole hallway in that slate blue. It would just feel dark and cavey with no natural light. But I think that it could really draw the eye up and get you excited for what's on the third floor. The only thing that's strange in her situation and you might find a strange in your situation is where does the chair rail end? Lucky for her, there was a very natural conclusion to both the chair rail and the wall with the chair rail at both the beginning of the hallway and the third floor end of the hallway. So it was quite clear where we would end the paint color or in some cases where you might end the wallpaper. Whenever I have a chair rail, whether it's a dining room or in this case, a hallway, I like to do the heavier thing at the bottom and the lighter thing at the top. So for instance, you heard me say that I'm putting the slate gray, which is the visually heavier, darker, weightier color at the bottom. And I'm doing that mid-tone to light gray at the top, which feels lighter. A lot of people, especially in a dining room, would do wallpaper above the chair rail and would do a paint color below. I often do that myself in spaces that are more transitional or traditional. And when I do that, I make sure that the wallpaper feels lighter, even if it has quite a pattern, maybe the background color is very light, maybe the background color is even white, or if it's busy and isn't necessarily light in color pattern or even texture, I'll make sure to do something quite weighty at the bottom. So say I'm using, like I did the other day in an apartment just down the road from me here on Main Street, we did like this mid-tone beige grass cloth, which has this beautiful woven texture, feels very natural but controlled. From afar, it looks just like a very subtle pattern, but up close, you really can feel that texture and see all those different shapes of fibers coming together. Well, that went above the chair rail. And below the chair rail, I picked the deepest tone from the grass cloth because there's lots of different colors, even though it's only beige, there's lots of different hues of beige within that grass cloth. I picked the darkest one that almost felt like a brown or taupe. It did have sort of the gray qualities as well, making it like a deep mushroom. Well, I put that pink color below the chair rail and the chair rail was the same color as the trim throughout, which was like a creamy, um, like China white. It all came together beautifully. It could not look more luxe. 
And I wouldn't have been able to achieve such a beautiful layered effect if I hadn't had the chair rail. So these are some things to think about. But going back to what I'd mentioned before, if you don't have a clear cut end and a clear cut start on either side of the chair rail, if it just kind of ends in oblivion or tapers with a little curved cut piece and there's not a clear delineation on the wall, it's very hard to do a different treatment above and below and then maybe we just eliminate the chair rail. Renee, I hope that helped. That's a long-winded way of saying next time include a picture so I can tell you exactly what you should do in your space. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Renee, again, writing in from Atlanta says, hi again, Betsy. What would you do for our kitchen backsplash? I was thinking a grayish subway tile, but I've heard you say subway tile might soon go out of style. Here's the backstory. We'd like to freshen up the kitchen, but we do not have $20,000 for the redo. When we moved in, our dining area was carpeted and our family room was lined with dark wood paneling. We've painted the paneling, we ripped out the carpet, and we updated the appliances from the original 1970 avocado green electric microwave oven cooking center which is why the area behind the stove is a different backsplash material. Our backsplash is currently a yellowed off-white formica. We do hope to get rid of the little island area and of the countertop so we can fit in a bigger dining table that will hopefully not be wood grain. Thank you so much for the podcast. I'm always wishing I would have read your book before we bought our house three years ago instead of waiting Till now, three years after. All right. Well, Renee, I'm here for you now. That's the important thing that matters. And I realized why I was confused about you being Jonathan. The pictures came from Jonathan. Looks like that may be your partner or maybe your husband. And the email came from Renee. It's all coming together now. All right. So yes, looking at this kitchen, you do have sort of a mid-tone to dark wood cabinet. And then the floor is definitely a mid-tone wood that is much lighter than the cabinetry. You do have like a mottled color uh, for mica countertop, looks like to me, that has beige. It might be quartz, actually. You'd mentioned formica, but that might be the backsplash. And this might be as some kind of quartz that has like beige, browns, creams, 
So it is a little bit dark in here, especially as it opens to that dining area that has those beautiful, almost floor to ceiling windows and plenty of lighting. So I could understand why you'd want to lighten this up a little bit. And I do think a backsplash would be a great way to do it. You were mentioning that you were thinking about gray subway tiles. From what I can see here, I definitely wouldn't do a pure gray or anything too blue or cold because you want to pull a tone since the countertop involves so many tones. You want to pull one of the tones from there. Subway tile. I feel like subway tile is an uninspired choice. I feel like people use it too much. And even though it's classic and does not go out of style, I would never personally use it in my own space unless I laid it in a new way. If I tried a chevron, perhaps something more visually interesting. If I used an elongated subway tile, some way to make it feel slightly more designerly rather than just the default, right? Because yes, I know it's affordable. And yes, I know you can find it anywhere. And yes, I know most people will not have a negative reaction to it. But is that really a reason to choose it? One thing that I'm seeing with your backsplash is that your countertop goes up, you know, maybe three or four inches up on that wall, meaning that the area for the backsplash is much smaller than it would typically be. Whenever I have a backsplash that's much smaller than the typical surface area, I will do a tile that's a little bit smaller as well. That way it feels in scale to the space that's there. You know, when I have a very large backsplash, in other words, if there's a lot of wall or if I'm going to take that tile all the way up the wall in certain areas, I will go for a midsize or larger tile to really add that drama. And again, play with the scale of the surface area. If I have a large amount of surface area on which I'm putting the backsplash, I'm going to use a larger tile. I do that in other areas as well, come to think of it. Like when I'm doing a shower floor, it's typically a pretty small scale space. And so I'll do a small scale tile also because it's easier to put on a slant, right? Or to grate as you often do in a shower. And then in a small bathroom, I will not go for large format floor tiles because it's just out of scale. I might do medium, I might do small, but I save the large format in a small bathroom for a large surface area, like say maybe the walls or the shower surround, right? So these are some ideas to keep in mind as you're choosing that tile. Now, this area throughout is a lot of brown. It's brown on brown on brown on beige, right? This might be a fun place to add a pop of color. You know, brown is considered a warm color, and so I would like to cool down all of this brown by incorporating a cool color. Now, a cool color that's not very popular is purple. So unless you're planning on being here for 15 years and you don't care about resale value, I would avoid purple just because it's not a color that appeals to most people. But I would definitely consider doing a blue tile or a green tile. I think that that would really add visual interest, make it look like you made a strong choice and also cool down this warm, warm kitchen. Pun intended, because kitchens do tend to get warm, right? When you turn that oven on. 
I couldn't help myself, Renee. You know I love cheese, and I'm going to love to see what you do with this kitchen. Guys, if you want to see Renee's kitchen, make sure you go to our YouTube channel. I'm going to be providing you with all the information very soon, so you won't have to rely on my descriptions to understand visually what this room looks like. But Renee, I'm very excited for you. And I completely agree that you should not do a wood dining table. It's wood mania in here. And the more you can layer in other things, other materials that are not wood, be they a rug, drapes, artwork, anything to distract from all this brown, it's going to really be a breath of fresh air. All right, let's go to my last question for the week. Beth is writing from Colorado and she says, hi, Betsy, you're the best. Your book is a must read and your squinting tip is absolutely genius. I have a question related to bold powder rooms. My family lives in a barn-shaped farmhouse in Colorado. Our neighborhood is an air park. The HOA maintains a shared runway for small airplanes and many of the homes have huge airplane hangars. We have five young kids. Finally, everyone is potty trained. It's time to redesign our powder room. Our style is lively industrial, and we balance out starker woods and metals with natural colors, creamy white, mountain blue, denim blue leaning towards gray, and leafy green. We also have some pops of cherry red at Christmas and on patriotic holidays. We love flying. We've used our industrial style to work in about four aviation-themed items into our main floor as celebrations of flight for us and our guests. Remember having guests? So far, the boldest design move I've made is a wing-shaped coffee table. This has been a delightful addition to our family life, but I need you to smack me down if I'm taking it too far with this powder room idea. My powder room is small. It has no windows, but it does have a high ceiling. We haven't purchased anything for the space, and we're on the hunt for something lively industrial, like a riveted mirror frame or the remnants of an airfield lamp to use as a light fixture. We want to use that as our inspiration for the space before filling in everything else. We came across this four inch by five inch ocean glass tile. One is a stormy blue gray and the other is a creamy white. It reminds me of some curvy kitchen tiles I've seen lately, but instead of a fan or lantern shape, these are shaped like clouds. I've heard that powder rooms are a great place to go bold. But is that good advice for design novices? Tiling is pretty cumbersome, and I'm not easily corrected if I go wrong. Betsy, do I need a smackdown? Bottom line is, could cloud tiling be sophisticated, or is it just silly? And if you would give it the green light, then how much is too much? Should we be thinking of tiling the floor to the ceiling or some smaller portion being a better decision? We want our home to be lively, but not ridiculous. If you were working with this tile in a powder room, how would you provide balance in the remaining design choices so that the overall style stays sophisticated and lively? I am so looking forward to your response, your eager student, Beth. Well, Beth, you sound lively. I love the idea of your family living near the mountains and going flying and hearing planes and really just embracing your pastimes so close to your home. That's very inspiring. I realized the other day, has anyone else realized this, that I have no hobbies. I work, 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 work. 
I hang out with my kids, and I like true crime. I need to get some hobbies, right? I'll be thinking about that. Aviation probably won't be first on my list, um, but I will be thinking about hobbies, and I will be inspired by your hobbies as I give it some more thought. Something just occurred to me is that I've been recording this whole podcast with a very loud fan going on in the background. As you guys heard, I had this major flood and I had so many fans going before I started recording and I told myself, turn them all off. So I turned them all off as I gave your emails a glance as I prepared for the show and then it became stifling. Like you can hear my throat is a little bit scratchy. I just had to turn the fan back on because ugh, being in this din of poop and water and mold is really getting to me. Don't worry, we're, we're remediating right now, but I have no other place to record. So I turned that fan back on telling myself, you know, I'm going to remember to turn it off. And I really didn't remember to turn it back off. So sorry, guys, that you've been dealing with a little background noise today, but bear with me. Like my life has been background noise for the past week and a half. Getting to your question, Beth, typically in a powder room, because there's no tub and no shower, I would not tile the walls. And going back to my answer for Renee previously, you mentioned that this powder room has higher than normal ceilings. Well, a four-inch tile by five-inch tile is not all that big. It's a small to medium tile. I'm worried that if you put this on all the walls and go all the way up in that extra height, it is going to be dizzying. I like the idea of using this tile perhaps on the floor, but my issue with it is that it does look like billowing clouds, which is adorable, but it's not symmetrical. It really is directional. So if I was laying this, I would lay it on a wall and not a floor because it definitely needs to go up, up, up. I have arabesque tiles, which are more symmetrical, meaning that they're the same on the top of the tile as they are on the bottom. They're also the same side to side. I could lay those on the floor or I could lay those on the wall vertically as I have done in my kitchen. But this is not symmetrical. While side to side, you could fold it and it would be the same. It's got that direction going up, 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 as I mentioned. So it needs to crawl the walls and not lay flat on the floor, in my humble opinion. I do not want you taking this all the way up the walls. You could consider adding a chair rail, as we heard from Renee initially. But I would be more inclined, because you do not need tile on the wall in a powder room, to maybe do a whimsical wallpaper. I think based on everything you've shared with me, you are bordering on theme rooms, which, you know, it's kind of like a beach house near the beach. It's fun to play with multiple elements that reference the water. And you are in an airplane house that's near a hangar and near a runway. So it makes sense to embrace that with a few more elements than I would typically use. But would I be doing that in something structural like tile, something that's very hard to, and expensive to change out, something that would deeply impact resale value? And I have a feeling not everyone who lives here would be as into planes as you are. The answer is no. 
So I would do a more basic subtle tile on the floor. I would think about being playful with my wallpaper because nobody is going to want your wallpaper. And so no matter what you choose, it's sort of a liability. You might as well have some fun. You could do peel and stick, which makes it much less committal if you're thinking on selling anytime in the next five years. But if you're not planning on selling anytime in the next five years, I might have some fun with wallpaper because you do have those super high ceilings. I might have some fun with a fixture that hangs down in the powder room because, again, you have those super high ceilings. So something that hangs down rather than just a boring old flush mount could be quite compelling. But maybe, especially in a room as small as the powder room, I would keep the aviation theme to only one element. So it's either the light fixture that you mentioned or the wallpaper or a piece of art, but it's just too small a space to be too over the top and still keep some level of sophistication. That's my two cents. I hope that that helped and I can't wait to see what you wind up doing. Well, guys, I hope you're on the edge of your seat because the YouTube channel the Facebook page, the Instagram account are all coming this month. I will be sure to keep you posted as soon as they launch. And um, until then, guys, go out. Maybe hop a plane, do something fun. COVID is on its way out, I certainly hope. I'm feeling vaccinated and ready to take on the world. And I hope that you're ready to take on the world as well. Let's take on the world one bathroom and kitchen at a time. Sounds good? All right, everyone, until next time, see you later. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out. Follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.